As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You seem a bit down. Are you okay? What's no, going I'm on? I'm sorry. No, I was just looking at Haggis. Yeah. And he's such a cute patoot, you know? Yeah, that should make you happy. He's so flurfy. Well, tomorrow we've got the grooming, you know? I got to oh. take him to go get trimmed oh. up and... Yeah. It is necessary. It's so traumatic for you. It is. Let me let me tell you a little bit about Cat. Something yes. about Cat. Um, she loves the animals so much. Whenever she has to take any of them outside the house, it's a traumatic experience. It's almost like when she takes Haggis to get groomed. Well, let me put it this way: last time, she collected all of the leftover fur and had it cremated. Well, that's a thousand percent a lie. You ca- come what? on. What what do you mean? Come on. A lie. That just makes me sound like a bananas wacko person. <laughs> All right, she just buried the fur and It's the- just that he's so cute when he's fluffy. And I just don't I don't know and then I have to sit there and stare through the window at them and I know I make them uncomfortable because I will not leave and I just like face press to the glass. <laughs> that one's mine. Sweetie, look at me. Look me in the eye. No. Give me, give me your hand. We'll get through this together. Okay, thank okay. You, except for you've never come with me, and you don't partake in taking care of them at all. You just well, I wanted to last time, you just but I them, and then you. But I had to sit down and watch TV. <laughs> oh, and just quickly, uh, if you get a second, go to our website theboxofoddities.com and there's a link that says Webby Voting on it. We've been nominated for a Webby Award uh, in order for us to win the Listener's Choice category. Mm-hmm. We need your vote. That's right. So you can click on the Webby Voting link at our website theboxofoddities.com or any of the links that I've put on social media. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Anyway, give me a story. Okay, so Louisiana. We all know that it became a colony of the Kingdom of France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the 17th, the late 17th century, uh, the War of Spanish Secession tied up all of France's resources. And so in the next years, 
in France, people were struggling and they needed to figure out how to get people to go to Louisiana to get that territory profitable for them. Right. At this point, it was just a hunk that they hadn't really been successful with. A hunk. Well, like a, a chunk, like a a land, a land a, mass, a parcel, a territory, a territory. So, <clears throat> enter John Loss. He was a Scottish economist, and he served as the Controller General of Finances under the Duke of Orleans, who was regent for Louis XV of France. Now, Loss proposed to stimulate industry by replacing gold with paper credit and then increasing the supply of credit and to reduce the national debt by replacing it with shares in economic ventures. Basically, he was selling stocks. Wow. That's incredibly forward thinking. But he was also creating a setup where there was much more paper money rolling around than there was metal to back it. Mm-hmm. Problem. Mm-hmm. That's what he did here. He he convinced the French authorities to support a complex plan to create the country's first central bank with a, with a monopoly on national finance and the Mississippi Company. So the Mississippi Company was what he was selling shares in. He set about convincing the French people that Louisiana was going to make them all rich. It's a land full of gold and spices and gemstones and furs and, oh, the the riches. So little did Parisians know that Louisiana, uh, the, the French colony behind their their stocks, essentially, their shares, was still a very sparsely populated, undeveloped swampland mm-hmm. with about 700 colonists running the show. Wow. Mm. So not full disclosure. New. No. New. No. And these colonists are not doing well. I say running the show, but I i really was exaggerating there. Maybe, maybe more like hanging on by their fingernails. That's right. Yeah. And Native American tribes offered essential support for those French living in the Louisiana Territory. They, If it weren't for the Native Americans... In that region, there's no way those colonists would have survived. They helped them with food and shelter and used the helped with being guides for expeditions to mm-hmm. explore the region. Anyway, in fact, I learned this. It's not really important to the story, but I, I think it's important for all of us to know. Okay. Uh, jambalaya, the word jambalaya mm-hmm. is a word of seminal origin. Is it? Yes. No way. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, okay. So the French are very interested in investing in Louisiana, right? They are jazzed about it, but they are not moving here. No, no. no. So at this time, there's plenty of poverty in Paris. Soldiers are returning home. They're having a hard time finding work. Farmers had experienced poor crop output. People were moving en masse into the cities. And unemployment was rampant. So many people who were unemployed were actually being imprisoned at the time to keep them off the streets. Wow. And sex workers were prevalent and oftentimes in and out of jail as well. So Paris was rife with poverty and crime. There weren't enough French volunteers to settle the land, despite promises of gold and furs and fertile lands and, you know, abundant. And jambalaya. All the stuff. And jambalaya. So John Loss was like, I need people who want to go 
to Louisiana. And we've got all these problems in Paris. And so he came up with this plan. Who wants to go somewhere? Who wants to go anywhere? Prisoners. Sure. So he said. Yes, that's that is very that's that's quite uh, astute. Here's what we're going to do. According to this royal policy of France issued January 8th, 1719, we believe that we can do nothing better for the good of our state than to condemn convicts to the punishment of being transported to our colonies. (laughs) Really? The same place that they were selling stock for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in September... So in one sense, they're inflating the stock. Mm. And then in the other sense, they're devaluing it. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. In September 1719, 184 female convicts were told to choose grooms from the same number of male convicts. They were forced to marry in a mass wedding ceremony, shackled together two by two, and put on a ship to Louisiana. Literally the old ball and chain. Literally. John Loss went so far as to raid hospitals for drunk people. Uh, He went to find disorderly soldiers. He rounded up sex workers. Anyone who was not, quote unquote, desirable, Mm -hmm. scooped them up, made them get married and forced them to Louisiana. I did not know this. So the trip itself was horrendous. Can you imagine? No. The, no. Obviously, it was not a first-class kind of situation. No. They, they weren't worried about how it was going to go. So many people became ill and even died before they ever got to this wonderful land of Louisiana. And then when they got here, there's no one to provide them with jobs. They don't have homes. They don't have food. It's just... <laughs> Here you go. Now you live in Biloxi. (laughs) (sighs) Biloxi's a lovely community. So on top of that, with this influx of people who France is all like, we don't want you anymore. Mm -hmm. Many of the well-to-do immigrants who had already settled in this region were like, yeah, we're not sticking around Our property values are plummeting. For real. So they were moving to New Orleans to distance themselves from these boatloads of undesirables. Wow. The forced colonization scheme grew so out of control that there became a group called the Mississippi Bandoliers. And they had to, like, pull people from the street if they couldn't prove that they were employed. Mississippi Bandoliers sounds like a a blues group. Mississippi Bandoliers. Wow. Yeah. You, you brought that to life. Thank you. My love. Yeah. That's a, that's a time-honored classic, and you breathed new life into it. Riots broke out in the street. Are wow. you okay? I yeah. mean, the concert that I just put on was no, probably I'm, overwhelming for well, you. Well, I, I do kind of want a moment or two to reflect on the nuance that you were able to uh, interpret that musical piece with. Mm. But I just don't have the time right now. It it would take way too long. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was uh, injury and loss of life. It was not a great situation. Uh, Meanwhile, in Paris, the rumors had spread about that the paper money that they were using wasn't backed by enough gold and silver. And Mm -hmm. in truth, it accounted for only about a 
fifth of the notes in circulation. Oh, my God. So it was real bad. Printing money was declared illegal, as was selling gold coins. And people were swarming the banks to ensure that they wouldn't be left with nothing. But the bank was forced to stop payment on paper notes because it became clear they didn't have enough money to pay everyone. Mm. Mm -mm. So anyway, after three years of forced immigration to Louisiana, the Crown finally declared it unlawful. Uh, the governor of Louisiana at that time, he had his hands full managing the settlers and said, it is most disagreeable for an officer in charge of a colony to have nothing more for its defense than a bunch of deserters, contraband salt dealers, and rogues who are always ready not only to desert you, but also turn against you. Wait a minute. Salt dealers? Yeah, they were salt dealers. They threw salt dealers in with rogues and sex workers and undesirables. What made a salt seller person bad? I don't know. Maybe it's a term for something other than someone who actually deals in salt. Okay. I don't know. I can I can look it no, up. No, no. That was more of a rhetorical question. Okay. Either way, he didn't feel like he had a group of Louisianans. Lu Louisianans. Louisianans? I don't know. He didn't feel like he had a state full of people <laughs> who were really into being Louisianans. Dang it, I found my way back to that word. Now, John Loss bore much of the blame for this financial panic, obviously, for the situation in Louisiana. He wasn't super popular at this time, so he fled Paris disguised as a woman and spent the final years of his life <laughs> gambling in Italy before he died of pneumonia. Really? Now, was he in drag the whole time he was gambling, or did he... Once he got there, he changed out. I think he, I think he changed out oh, okay. when he. Because um, the story would have been even more delightful if he just assumed that identity for right. the rest of his life. Oh, Monaco's so lovely this time of year. <laughs> That's exactly what I was envisioning <laughs> in Monaghan. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that's how uh, France forced yep. people to get married and mm -hmm. shipped them on over to Louisiana. All the way to Louisiana. Which still holds a very special place in my heart due to that middle school bayou that I built that I got a C on. Yeah. What did you make that out of? It was a baby bathtub. Oh, yeah. That's right. And now, that thing in the middle. In 2008, a Japanese man noticed that some food of his was missing or had been moved. He decided to set up cameras around his house, assuming that someone had broken in. The tapes on the camera revealed that a homeless woman had been living in his closet for over a year and had been stealing his food any time he left the house. Better check your closet. If you were stranded on a desert island and had to spend the rest of your life with either Cat or Jethro, who would you choose? It'll be just between you and the curator. I promise. This is The Box of Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. 
And here's the thing. If you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames. And living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Haley sent us a message, so I just wanted to share this with the world. Normally, when something is clunking around in the dryer, it's a lighter or a coin or maybe even occasionally a rock, right? Mm. Not this day. Today, it was 
bones, <laughs> two femurs to be exact. <laughs> and we can only assume our oldest daughter, who will be seven on the 28th, is the guilty party in this. Wonderful. This definitely <laughs> creeped us out a little bit, but we all had a, a, a good laugh. I thought we taught her better about bone disposal, but it seems that she has framed us instead. Well played, child. Well well played, child. Well played. Oh my gosh, I love it. I found a lot of weird things in the dryer, but femurs, never. Never a femur. Not yet. So I got something for you. Oh, good. That's a requirement, actually, for this time of the show. <laughs> Do you remember, um, I don't know, a few shows ago... I don't even remember how many ago we were talking about, we got off on the subject of uh, the origins of the chainsaw and how the chainsaw is based on a 19th century gynecological instrument. That's right. Yeah. I think it was something to help with cesareans. Cesareans or something like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But it was hand cranked. And yeah, so like I was thinking about that. <laughs> That's uh, why I'll never be pregnant. So I was thinking about the hand cranked vagina machine uh, while I was drifting off to sleep the other night. That could describe so many things. <laughs> it really could. Uh-huh. And, and it made me uh, start wondering about other really bizarre 19th century medical devices. You know, this is always a fun topic. Have you ever heard of the lithotomy cache? No. Is it like C-A-S-H or C-A... C-A-C-H-E. Okay. Cash or cache. Am I saying that wrong? No, I think it's cash. Okay. I, th- I thought so. It sounded familiar. Anyway, it was a, uh, a device that was popular in France. This actually goes back a little further. This is 18th century, and it was used to remove kidney stones. Kidney stones. Back in the 18th century. Gross. I cannot imagine being wheeled in. You probably didn't even go to a surgeon back then. They took you to the barber or something Mm -hmm. to have your kidney stones removed. Well, the process, not very uh, enjoyable, I guess. like trying to get the last smarty out of the wrapper where you're just kind of like pushing it down (laughs) through? Like, yeah. It's probably a lot like that. Um, the metal rod of this instrument. Oh, no, there's a rod. Yeah. Was inserted in your urethra. Oh, no. As a catheter. Uh-huh. Then the doctor would make an incision and insert the lithotomy cache within which were concealed several razor blades or blades, sharp blades. So they put the the tube in your urethra right. and that urethra... Uh, Inside the tube are blades, it, right? Okay. And when it gets to a certain point uh, between the bladder and the prostate, it would divide the neck between the two with a little lever. It almost looked like a crank as well. Once that was in place, then forceps would come out and they would fish around and get the stones and pull them out that way. So the... The metal straw goes in your wiener hole. Yeah. And the metal straw has within it forceps right. and razor blades. Yes. What it does what are the how does the so the forceps grab the stone and pull it in and then the razor blades do the business or how does No, the, I think the razor blades divide the uh membrane between the bladder and the prostate. Oh. To get up in there. And then, and I'm not a doctor. This is just how I understand <laughs> no? it. No. And and then there is like some kind of a crank device where the forceps will 
come out. So you're just blindly like grabbing it. That's stuff? what. Yeah. And then what do you do with it? You pull it back out. You reel it through, in. You reel it into the, the straw. No, I think you reel it into the tube, and then pull the whole thing out. That's how I understand it. I hope I got that right because I have an exam next week. Gosh, that sounds terrible. It's terrible. Maybe a little less terrible, but terrible nonetheless. The tongue ecraser. This would have been early 1900s. Let's say you've got a, a, a tumor on your tongue or a part of your tongue is infected and it's the early 1800s. Uh-huh. Well, it is treatable, which is good news. But there's a downside to that. Someone's going to end up, uh, you know, cutting off part of your tongue in a very gruesome and terrifying manner using this particular piece of equipment. The tongue ecraser. Oh. I, I should have warned you. Okay. So tell me more about this. Okay. Well, it, it consists, it's, it's like a chain yeah. within a metal tube, very similar to the uh, last medical device that, that we talked about. Uh, there's a portion that is looped at the end and it protrudes out of the tube. And what they uh, what they do is uh, they take the uh, loop and they put it around the part of the tongue mm-hmm. that they wanted to cut off. And then they would twist it on the other end so slowly the chain would just, you know, cut that piece of the tongue away. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Enjoy that infection. Um. Now... It- the, oh, I wish I hadn't Googled it, but now I know. Um, so, ecraser comes from the French word for to crush. Oh, is that what it, okay. Mm. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. we're all learning today. This feels that's, good. That's the feels good, good to know that. Good thing about this is we're all learning. Um, I came across another uh, device, and this was used about the same time as the uh, chainsaw vag machine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into detail on this because it is incredibly graphic what it's for i'm just i'm just going to tell you what the name of the device is and you can figure it out for yourself okay okay uh in the early 1900s before cesarean sections were an option Mm-mm. because of you know anesthetic restraints and things like that uh oftentimes the doctor's choice was between the fetus's life or the mother's life. Yes. Most of the time they chose the mother's life. Uh, so in order to make sure that the mother was the one that survived, they used a device called the fetal destructor. And there is a really graphic description of how it's, how it's used. And I'm just going to go ahead and skip right over that because. Yeah, that sounds whoa. terrible. Archaeologists have uh, uncovered ancient skulls that show signs of trepanning. Oh, yes. The 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 hole drilling. Right. Drilling holes in the head to make people feel better. Um, It's been around for thousands and thousands of years and used by cultures all over the world. The ancient Greeks did it. The Aztecs did it. And the practice is still used today, believe it or not. No, sure. And in some cases, it makes a lot of sense. Is there too much pressure in your skull? Yes. Put a hole in there. Right. But I kind of get the sense that it's a little bit like bleeding, where they yeah. were like, do you have gout? Put a hole in that skull. Right, exactly. That that really was. Indigestion? A hole. Painful menstruation? A hole. Diarrhea? A hole. 
So the device that was used during this particular uh, time period, the 18th, 19th century, looked a lot like uh, cookie cutters or blunt knives. It was, of course, really dangerous. No real antiseptic, no anesthesia, no sterilization of the instruments. But this one particular device, it uh, clamped onto the skull somehow. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of it, there was a drill bit. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a lot like the the, the uh, tool that you use to cut out a doorknob hole. Yep, I was thinking of the exact same thing. Yeah, and they would just screw it down in there, and there was no uh, no real way for them to tell if it was you know screwing down flush or not. In other words, when do you stop screwing? I mean, uh, you know, it's. Uh... <laughs> I guess when things get raw. You know, when I was younger, I had a um, mole on the back of my leg and my doctor was like, it looks okay, but probably you should take care of it anyway. And I was like, that's fine. Not a big deal. And they were like, okay, so we we made an appointment. We're going to remove that mole. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. No big deal. And so I got there and they're like, all right, so we're getting ready to remove the mole. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm, I'm, that's whatever. And they were like, this is how we're going to remove the mole. And I was like, I do not want to do this anymore. (laughs) This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And was it, was it one of those, uh, was it like one of those crazers? Uh, no, it was like a round razor kind of shaped like the the thing that you were just saying that for the trepanning, uh, that went into my leg and then the end of it clamped down like, uh, guillotine or something mm. and uh, i just had a hole in my leg just a hole there mm. now it's a cute little scar but man for a while it was uh painful for me emotionally to look at it because all i could think of was that uh, uh, the description was just not needed why no, I didn't, no yeah yeah, it's like when I when I put that drill bit through my thumb, mm-hmm. and we went to the emergency room, and I was fine. You know, I was like being all Mister Tough Guy and everything, and <laughs> and I was just, I was totally cool. And I got in there, and I'm like, yeah, just you know, give me a give me a shot of whiskey and a piece of coarse leather to chew on while you deal with this. <laughs> I was so totally cool with it. And then he said, you know, we might have to take that nail off. And I went. And the color drained from my face. I dropped my whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. When I uh, crushed my mom's finger in a wood splitter and... (laughs) This is... Why is it when people start talking about injuries, they have to continually share the worst injuries, A, they've ever had or inflicted on another person or or (laughs) happening to somebody that you know and love? We got to the the doctor's place. Uh, A friend drove us because I was too small at the time. I was quite... Quite small. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I do remember the doctor describing it as being like a grape that was crushed between your two strong fingers. Mm-hmm. And it just pops right open. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> cool, cool, oh, that's cool. Really nice. That's neat. <laughs> how, okay. All right. I'm going to close with this one the spermatoria ring. Yeah. This one again. That sounds Greek. It's from it's from the early 1800s. Let's say you're having a uh, an early 19th century sleepover. So you're having this early 19th century sleepover. You and your buddies. You know you're you're gonna stay up late and watch old movies on that wood burning TV, and you're worried about when you go to sleep and you know nocturnal emission. Oh oh yeah like. Right. Just randomly? Wet, wet dreams at night. You know, where, you know. Does that happen a lot? Because it just seems like 
that would be not that common a problem that there needed to be a product for it. Well, even more so. This is this device was actually uh, used for more than just that. It was also to to help keep boys from having awkward boners in public. That is a problem. Okay. I, I remember, you know, being in high school and having to, like the bell would ring and having to wait for everybody to leave the room. Oh my gosh. And, and then kind of like strategically position my trigonometry book mm-hmm. and then kind of shuffle out sideways. Could you make it through the door sideways? It's interesting that you mentioned that. <laughs> um, I was also, when I was in wood shop, mm-hmm. I actually learned how to widen the door frame, but just in that one area. Right. Anyway, back in the early 1900s, you could wear a spermatoria ring. These devices kind of, well, it was an adjustable inner metal ring, and then the outer ring are like the jagged teeth of death, which fit around your ween. And the idea was, as long as you didn't get a boner, it wouldn't harm you. But if you got a boner, it would like, it was, it would be like putting a piranha in your pants. Here's the picture. This sounds very familiar, though. I Didn't they use that for like... Like a male chastity like, device? Yeah. Yeah, I think probably there was a, a version of that. Yeah, I think we but talked about something like this. Check out the picture of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that looks terrible. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable just looking at the picture. Spermatoria ring. I'm done. So anyway, freaks, uh, the 28th, that is the day for the... Well, it's the final day for the on-demand of the uh, live looped show from a week and a half ago. Let's call it the looped freak show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, uh, Wednesday the 28th is the final day that the encore performance, the on-demand performance for the uh, looped freak show will be available. And that is when we're going to do our... Next group of meet and greets for yeah. that for that show. It's like a second chance uh, hangout sesh yeah. for that show. Right now, you can you can get the show and you can watch it anytime you want. But then on the twenty eighth, this Wednesday at six p.m. Eastern, we'll be doing uh, meet and greets. When you go to Looped or when you follow the link at theboxofoddities.com, you can find all the details there. I know it can be a little confusing. Yeah. Until Wednesday, you can just buy a ticket to mm-hmm. watch the show. Right. Or you can buy the meet and greet and hang out with us on Wednesday night. Yeah, you get to watch the show as well anytime you want. And then we'll uh, we'll hang out with you 6 o'clock on uh, the Looped app. Which, by the way, is optimized for Chrome. Yes. That's something that we all learned, mm. didn't we? And what a great app it is. Oh, my God, we had so much fun. I can't wait to do the, to do the next uh, Looped live show. It's going to be even better. Even better. Well, I hope it's. <laughs> I hope it is. Uh, anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, 
we wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.